The category is cybersecurity. Diane. Jer, I'd like to buy a vowel. An A. There are three A's. I'd like to buy another vowel. An I. There are three I's. I think I'd like to solve the puzzle, Jer. Go ahead. AI expert Daniel Torrance. There it is. Well, I have a wonderful electronic invention I want you to see. It, it looks something like this. You're listening to the Hashtag Getting Podcast, brought to you by Auburn University's Samuel Ginn College of Engineering. Hello, everyone. It is I, Jeremy Henderson, a communications specialist at the Samuel Ginn College of Engineering's Office of Communications and Marketing, and you are listening to Hashtag Getting, the best podcast in all of academia, perhaps the internet, uh, in the the history of the world, uh, history of years, really, in the history yep. of years, you're listening to the best one, greatest. Join that that guy talking right there is Austin Phillips, director of the aforementioned Office of Communications and Marketing. We're joined as always by Marcus Klutz over here, tweaking knobs and taking names, making videos <laughs> and taking photos. And uh, and today with us today is Daniel Tarts. Now, am I pronouncing it correctly? Yep, Tarts. Okay, Daniel Tarts. Got an associate professor here in the college, chief cyber AI strategist for the Auburn Cyber Research Center. That's like, a, we're, like, do, we're doing some AI work. We've had some some great AI folks on here, so I'm interested about this one today. And, and it is definitely my coolest title I've ever had. Oh, yeah. All right. And it sounds like, like a lot to live up to. Chief yeah. Cyber See, AI Strategist. Mine, director of the Auburn University, Samuel yeah, yeah, yeah. Ginn, College of Engineering, I'm Office lost interest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I no. lost interest. But you start off with Chief Cyber AI Strategist. You know, you got you got That's the man. Like you got some <laughs> Okay, so Daniel, tell us what in the world. I was telling you earlier we were talking about the, the, the show here and what we're doing and about how a lot of other shows, a lot of other podcasts along these lines um, are, you know, trying to do the same thing. Kind of academics talking to academics. Austin and I are idiots. So we don't know <laughs> what in the world it is. And when you do, when we read this, it just Please sounds cool. Us. <laughs> so, right. But I mean, I, you know, have, have an idea. Obviously, the college is doing a lot with cyber. We're doing a lot with AI. Like Austin said, we great. Uh, well, um, we had Ann, Ann Wynn yeah. on. Yeah. You know Ann yet? I know you're you're mm-hmm. you new here, but Ann Ann's been here. And, well, uh, and we just had with Cyber too. I mean, Cyber, Frank, yeah. Frank was, was one of our first yeah. guys. You may have heard of him. I don't know if do you know Frank. <laughs> I, I'm part of the Yeah, you know Frank. <laughs> okay, good. And uh, so anyway, but so tell us about some of the work you're you're, you're doing here. Uh, I know you were on this panel uh, recently talking about AI in the workforce and challenges with uh, brain drain and the industry stealing all our geniuses and all that stuff. And uh, but so so talk talk about what you do just in general. We'll start off with that. How about that? That's a dangerous question to ask, a Professor. That's going to take twelve hours. But but basically, we got eighteen um, minutes. Left, okay, so. I, I specialize in AI for national security challenges. Um, so I do different types of AI. The probably most interesting for this podcast is related to adversarial AI or game theoretic AI. This is where we divvy up problems in attackers and defenders, so adversaries, and then we try to use AI to kind of predict what our adversary is going to do and take countermeasures before they can do it or 
as it's going on to um, respond in real time. So war games. Basically, it's a great yes. Movie. Yeah. yeah, war games. And, okay. and, and this is particularly interesting now. Yeah. Up, up till a few years ago, I was doing this and there was a lot of interest, but we were really just worried about human attackers, mm. like cyber attacks from Russia or China or, you know, what have you not. Um, now we're even worried that our adversaries will use AI to attack us faster than humans can respond. And so instead of just using AI to simulate humans, we're actually needing to do it because they may use AI directly against us. And, mm -hmm. and the only way to counter that fast it enough- It sounds like they're doing it right now. I just heard something. <laughs> we're, just, we're under attack right now. They, they could. They could be. They probably are not because well, this, this podcast- this, Well, and this topic is so timely too of uh, you know the recent um, disturbance, I guess we would say, in Iran. In the you know, and mm -hmm. then and then we've got a pretty big election coming up, and and that's kind of been a, a subject for the last four years of what the Russians did on the last election. So, what are some things that were when you talk about threats? What are some? Yeah, what's an example? You know, what are some examples? How could somebody of that? use that? Like right. That? So that's a really good question. Um, there are a lot of known threat vectors um, that the government um, is already trying to protect against. Um, the biggest problem right now is actually that it's too easy um, to attack us. We're very vulnerable. So some of the advanced stuff I'm doing is not even necessary yet because there's so much low-hanging fruit, so many mm. vulnerabilities. So you, you mentioned elections. Mm. I was just reading this article from some professors at MIT. They've been looking at some of the election voting machines we're using. And despite report after report with technical advice on how to make them secure, they're still not. There's lots of states that are using machines that are not considered secure by experts. I got an old Norton DVD, like CD, <laughs> lying around here somewhere. I'm just, so, so that won't cut it anymore. No, huh? no okay. it will not. And so, so it, it's interesting. You know, I'm a comp sci. I'm all for you know high tech stuff. But right now, the safest way to do elections is good old fashioned paper, paper yeah. and optical scanners. Keep the computers out of it. That's where your danger comes in. Um, and then you've got challenges too of so go hanging chads, things like that. Go right. and right, rejecting technology. Wow. Right, Heidegger, let's get him back. So, 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 so understanding the limitations of technology and using it prudently, I think, is the way forward here. Now, when you talk about what can AI all do beyond these low hanging fruit, the scarier stuff in a way, um, because we don't know. Here we do know the technical solution. We just need the people solution, right? political will to do it and to invest in it. The technical problems come when we're thinking of, you know, you mentioned Iran. Iran actually trying to attack us. They're not going to try and physically attack us. Their arm is not strong enough. But cyberway, they could cause huge damage in the US because of the vulnerabilities we have. And I, I have no idea what their AI for national security looks like. I'm sure it's top secret. But if they had advanced capabilities or any other country that we went to war with, or even a terrorist group like ISIS, um, who, who have surprisingly sophisticated technical skills sometimes, often with people that we trained here in the United States, mm -hmm. but that's another topic mm -hmm. of discussion, um, those things may be able to do things we don't know about yet. So unexpected, unknown vulnerabilities, um, you often hear the, the phrase um, zero day exploits where there is no time to even counter it because they're, they're using an exploit that's just been discovered and the big companies haven't had time to fix it. 
if that happens, and we just had the one earlier this week, right, where NSA informed Microsoft they found this terrible certificate problem. It was highly technical, most people probably don't understand, but the end of the day, it was a way that adversaries could attack us on systems that we thought were secure. Mm-hmm. How many more of those are out there? I'll bet a lot. And if they're using AI to discover those, then we'd better be working on our side to find them even faster. And well, that's, I think, the promise of AI. Well, that's like the government has, you know, uh, they're not allowing any of the soldiers or anybody to use TikTok now because they feel the Chinese, you know, are using that. So what about just, that whole yep. Russian face aging app? You know what I'm talking about? Um, I downloaded it. I'm a little scared. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know about the specific one. There's mm-hmm. been actually quite a number of these deep fake things mm-hmm. going around. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm working. Um, so I'm a guest scientist at Los Alamos National Lab. And one of the things we are working on in, in AI for now security there, I, I'm not personally involved in it right now, but they're working on this deep fake technology to try and discern whether an image was generated for real or whether it was artificially generated. Mm-hmm. That is a really hard problem. And there's quite a bit of worry that they're going to get so sophisticated at some point, we won't be able to tell them apart anymore. I did, I did that app, and it looked like a cross between my dad and Kenny Rogers. It was worth I, it was worth getting hacked just to see that, <laughs> frankly, because it, <laughs> it was, was the terrible. Big, it was a great I, thing. I, I didn't want to do it because of the whole, oh, man. You know, just, and then when I did it, that was the funniest thing. Okay, I'm going to keep talking about it just because I'm, 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 I'm fascinated. Um, cause sometimes we have interesting people in here and it's great, but like when you're lying in bed, when you're lying in bed at night and you're imagining how a country could use an I, you know, AI mm-hmm. attack on us, like mm-hmm. an A, I mean, what, 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 what exactly mm. is that? Okay. You know, not, not just some guy. You I was going to say, knowing, well, uh, Lee, from what you said, knowing the things that you know, how do you sleep at night? <laughs> yeah, frankly. Right. Well, so I think so hard about it during the day that at night I'm oh, so tired okay. I sleep. Talk yeah, about brain okay. drain. There you go. <laughs> okay. I like that. Yeah. So um, when, when people are going to do a cyber attack, right, uh, you always you choose your victim, if you will, and, and the goal you have for the attack. And so there's very differing scenarios you know if they're just trying to cause mayhem and you know uh steal computers at auburn to use as botnets to attack other companies that's low-hanging fruit security on on an academic university Mm. right it's not that high because you're an open community but if you want to find out say a classified secret about nuclear weapons they're going to have to hack into like a national lab or some department of defense computer security way higher to do that, you can't just use off-the-shelf stuff. You need customized cyber attack weapons, including AI weapons. And that's what keeps me up at night. If they get too far ahead of us, and of course it's all secret, so it's hard to know who's ahead until the conflict happens, right? Mm-hmm. But if they were sufficiently far ahead of us that their AIs are able to break into computers that are holding really dangerous secrets, that would be a national threat. And that really would would worry me a lot. Hmm. This accent, Silicago. What are we talking about? Where, where, where are you from? Childersburg, originally? maybe. Yeah, somewhere around there. So I actually grew up in the Netherlands. Oh, yeah, so there's maybe close. just a little yeah. bit of <laughs> accents. I've, I've heard of those. Yeah, yeah. I, look, I, I was intrigued with that. And on your resume, you have some time you spent at the Hague. Yep. And I'm assuming that's not for war crimes. Nope. <laughs> okay. So uh, that just is fascinating. Spent some time working at The Hague. Can you talk a little bit about sure. what some of the work that you did there? So, so that was back when I was a master's student at Leiden University. Um, NATO has a research center in The Hague. 
And they were looking for students um, in kind of the region there, and, and Leiden is pretty close to The Hague, that were um, interested in doing stuff that would be useful to them. So kind of bringing the latest ideas from academia in and giving the students kind of an internship type of experience. And so uh, my white paper on adaptive information filtering was chosen. The idea there is that you can kind of sift through huge amounts of data, find the nuggets really of importance to you. This was in the context of the Yugoslav War back in the 90s. I was, gonna, I was mm, wondering, yep. at the time frame, yep. I was like, did you ever see Slobodan just walking around anywhere? <laughs> Owen Wilson, good movie. <laughs> I, I did not, but literally they had a vault there in the basement of the building where they were getting all this information, intelligence reports, and it was taking them so long to read them or to find out that by the time they discovered something terrible happened, they had to quickly drop, you know, ammunition or food or whatever for, you know, maybe people that were starving somewhere. It was too late already. They needed a way to automate it. And so that was what I did for them um, at NATO. And Fascinating. Yeah. Uh, how awesome wild. of an experience was that? It, it was awesome. Oh, it was gee. really cool. And and I only did that for a short while. Then I got my master's degree and I, and I moved on and moved to the U.S. And then years later, in 05, I started working completely accidentally with Sandia National Laboratories, um, which is a Department of Energy National Lab, working on cybersecurity. It just... It's like, wow. Full circle. My, yeah, full circle mm -hmm. back. And now I'm here at Auburn. Well, and before yeah. before um, before coming here, you were at Missouri Rolla. Um, yep. So what attracted you to Auburn University and, and the opportunity to come work here, work with our sure. department of CSSE, McCrary Institute, Cyber Research? What, what was the draw? You're, you're basically already mentioning it, right? <laughs> so Missouri um, was a great place, but the special attraction here was the focus of AU on uh, national security, cybersecurity, and kind of the incredible high-profile people like Frank Salufo, like Dave Umfritz, like Jerry Dozier, building up this uh, really great capability that almost nobody else has. The Huntsville connection is a unique strength of Auburn University. Um, also, you guys have classified space here on campus. Most people don't realize that. Right. Um, Tony Novaro's shop doing an incredible job so we can do not just export-controlled work, but also classified research for the government, army, you name it. Those are unique capabilities that make Auburn just a perfect place for somebody to work in national security or AI for national security. There's our cyber commercial right there. Love it. I love, love it. it. <laughs> I noticed you're wearing this uh, Los Alamos little lanyard thing. Yeah. Dropping some names here. I think you uh, you did a little work for them. You know, talk about that a little bit. Sure. So, um, you know, in, in academia, these things often just happen kind of accidentally. I was many, many years ago at a conference in Germany. Paper I had done together with Sandia National Labs, some for cybersecurity at I think it was like malware detection or something. And there was a guy in the workshop who was also giving a presentation, some related topic. He comes to me afterwards and says, hey, um, I work for Los Alamos National Laboratory. And do you know, we're just, we're less than two hours away from Cindia. Why don't you come visit us the next time you're there? So if any students are listening, the importance of going <laughs> to a conference, mm. the networking part is super important, not just presenting your research, just getting these connections, learning about these interesting people, what they're doing. A year later, I show up there. I'm like, you probably forgot about me. They're like, nope, nope, coming up. I came up there. We talked. They're like, this sounds like a great combination. Let's team up. We did a little contract. Um, then I got a five-year contract for something called the Cybersecurity Sciences Institute to kind of put a scientific 
uh, foundation under cyber research mm -hmm. and bringing in all the AI stuff I do to apply that to hard cyber problems. That was at my previous institution. And then when I moved here, I um, made the argument to Los Alamos that, hey, Auburn is even better. This is a great win for you. Can I move the institution there? And so that actually happened this past December 5th. The Cybersecurity Science Institute was moved here to Auburn, and we are uh, just starting to hire students and get going in a cool expert-controlled lab here in Shelby on the first floor. Very excited about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so are we. And then the the Biomimetic Artificial Intelligence Research Group, or BioAL. Now, what's going on there? So Founding the, director. Yeah. So, yeah, all, all professors who come to a new university, right, the first thing they do is create a new lab and say, we're yeah. the founding founder. director. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds cool, right? Austin's just a director. You're a founder. Yeah. Founding yeah. director, yeah. Um, so basically, the, the overall group uh, does biomimetic AI research. What that means is that biomimetic means mimicking biology. So we take cool ideas from biology and put that into our, our research. And so we get some really, I mean, nature has figured out a lot of cool ways to solve things and we're just taking inspiration. And then the Bonsai Laboratory, which stands for Biomimatic National Security Artificial Intelligence Lab, is the subset of that group mm. that does the kind of national security applications of biomimetic AI. Sweep the legs. Yeah. Yeah. That may be the best acronym of it? all time. And I, and I have to give credit to my PhD students who helped coin that term. We were throwing around a lot of names. Um, bonsai has also some nice connotations. I mean, think of warriors, mm -hmm. but also the bonsai, the bonsai contract, you have yeah, to be we, were, we, were, we talked about getting one for Jeremy's office. Mm -hmm. And just old man Henderson over there, you just let him become yes. one with the tree. Right. That's right. If, if, you know, if Mr. Miyagi Mr. taught us anything. Well, Mr. Belding, yeah. you know, had his bonsai tree too. Well, I'm a Miyagi. And, <laughs> so when our lab is finished and then we're setting up right now, we're going to have a bonsai tree there. My really? only problem is my students are CS students. No green thumbs. Yeah. So if you guys get a bonsai tree, if someone who can take care of it, you can share with we'll bio, bio we'll, we'll have a pruning 101 class. Yeah, a whole collaboration Perfect. with biosystems. That'd be, that'd be great. I, I was thinking maybe somebody in horticultural yeah, could yeah. help oh, out. Yeah, so favorite thing about Auburn since your move here? University and city. What, what's the favorite <sighs> thing about being here? Oh, that is terrible. Um, I guess the number one thing is kind of the... The family atmosphere here, it's just been incredible. I've been at you know, several universities, other places I've worked, and lots of great people. But here, the family atmosphere, everybody helping each other is just incredible. Um, and, I, and I guess that might be my favorite thing about the city. Lots of cities support their universities, but I've never seen a city like Auburn, where it appears that every single person supports this university. And that's an awesome place to be. Yes, Amen. exactly. Amen. I love it. Daniel, I can't thank you enough for uh, joining us today. Again, this is another one of the fascinating ones I'll be thinking about. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just impressed. I hate it. You look over here at the clock, and I want to keep going with things. I want to ask you about, like, what was the most sophisticated cyber attack you think you've seen yeah. uh, in I the just, last I just few feel years? Like, I, I want to know I, I how they're going to get us. I, I, do we have eyes on what Matthew Broderick is doing right now? Because <laughs> so I'm just, i still scared of what he's Joshua. doing. Joshua. <laughs> See if that computer's going to beep if <laughs> so, I say that. So if if I knew about the super sophisticated attack, I probably, yeah, yeah. probably would have to tell you or I'd have to kill you. But thank you so much for having me on this podcast. Really enjoyed it. And if you guys ever want me back to talk some more. Oh, please. No, that'd be you, rare. You have my number. You've signed up for it. Yep. All right, Daniel. Thank you so much. War Eagle. War Eagle. War Eagle.